for a morning lesson this morning, we want to turn to the 51st chapter of Isaiah. We will then skip over a couple chapters to the 54th, the 10th verse, and then I want to move back into the 119th Psalm for one verse, which is 165. So you can remember all that. Um, just the message this morning, and so we want to just maybe even in contemplation and meditation in your hearts, I want to talk about peace. And hopefully we can come to that point in our lives and the blessing that we can receive from God by having peace. So, and that's, we sang about that here. It says, we bless thee for thy word and laws. We bless thee for thy peace. And I hope that's a reality as we go through life believers in Jesus Christ, that that can be real. Hearken, the 51st chapter of Isaiah, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock which ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit which ye are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found there, thanksgiving in the voice of melody. Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation. For a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgments to rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, and my arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on my arm shall they trust. And here's a, the sixth verse is one I want us to focus on today as we move to those other two verses. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever. There is peace there to God's people. And my righteousness shall not be abolished. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, and the people, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Art thou not it which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over? Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the son of a man which shall be made as grass? Forgettest the Lord thy maker that hath stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and hath feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, oppressor as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed and that he should not die in the pit nor that his bread should fail. But I am the Lord thy God that divideth the sea, 
whose waves roared, the Lord of hosts is his name. I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which hast drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out. There is none to guide her among all the sons whom she hath brought forth, neither is there any that taketh her by the hand of all the sons that she hath brought up. These two things are coming to thee. Who shall be sorry for thee? Desolation and destruction, and the famine and the sword. By whom shall I comfort thee? Thy sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. Therefore, hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. Thus saith the Lord thy God, the Lord and thy God, that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again. But I will put it into the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, Bow down, that we may go over, and thou hast laid thy body to the ground, as, and as... Thou hast laid thy body as the ground and as the street to them that went over. Isaiah 54:10. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on me. God has made a covenant with his people, and he has promised peace unto believers. Psalms 119.165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you? 
if ye be followers of that which is good. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that, whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring to us that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when, once the long-suffering of God waned in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. We want to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning. A great opening as we come before him, come before God to worship. Just an interesting thought there as we think about connections and healing, and I think the brother spoke a lot into a lot of the thoughts that brought this to pass in my life. Probably about peace. There is physical needs of healing. We have a spiritual need of healing, and that's a reality. Sometimes we ignore that. It's quicker to ignore that spiritual need than it is a physical need. God has a way of getting our attention. That's a, an amazing thing, how he does that. But there, in that fifth chapter of Mark, we skip down a few verses to the forty. 34th verse and that woman that had a need of physical healing Jesus just said unto her daughter thy faith hath made thee whole go in peace just spoke into a a great need that we have as believers in Jesus Christ and he read there in Romans that nothing shall separate us if we have that desire nothing can keep us from the connection that God has intended for his people. Very interested in justice, he just kept looking and kept looking and kept looking. For a man that he walked with that was no longer there, and we as believers need to just keep looking and keep looking and keep looking. Hopefully there's a part of my message as we keep looking, that just speaks, and I think peace really speaks to the fact that we are really looking and have gained some measure of that that speaks into our life that we are His children. It's a beautiful thing. Peace. I want to sing 509 here in just a minute. Um, 
and the title of my message is just Living in Peace, Perfect Peace. And I've done a few of these just living in something and living in peace. And there is one goal that I have, as I think, of living in, you can, that thing can go on forever, and righteousness and truth and just all the things that God has intended for his people. And it comes out of a verse of 2 Timothy 3.17, that the man of God may be perfect. I'm interested in that that the man and women of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I do desire an interest in your prayers. I also, maybe a little strange, would pray for yourself that the Holy Spirit would somehow bring some discernment into your life and that you would gain something out of the message. An interesting thing, I, I, I'm interested in figuring out really who I am. And I found out yesterday that I have, I don't know that it's an issue. My niece told me it's fine. She called it, she said it's adaptive learning problems. I'm kind of all over the board. So that's what I want you to pray for is that the Holy Spirit can take some things in your heart. I think there's more people with that problem than just me. We want to start somewhere in the middle, go back to the front, or get at the end and just all over the place. But I want the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in a direction throughout your life that brings peace. It's real, and we need it. And the most, I don't know, amazing form, we just need peace. 509. And there's a couple verses in here that speak to that. And the cross of Christ I glory, towering o'er the wrecks of time, all the late light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. Sing it through. Peace is there that knows no measure. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Just think about peace. There is many things you can go out into nature. You can, I, I don't know what you enjoy. But there is things in this life that just speak peace to a natural man. And it, it, it is so beautiful to partake in those things. And I want that to be real for each one of us. Not just today, but forever. Peace. A speaking peace in our life. We are going to have to do something about that to really have that. And that's the beautiful thing about it. I know we're not justified by works, but I'm telling you there's things that happen in a believer's life. It's a beautiful thing. Because I've found out as a man, if I'm not doing something, then I'm, I'm just, I just feel pretty worthless. But there is events and things that will take place in your life that's just a natural occurrence. And this is one of those things that I want each one of us to have. Peace is there that knows no measure. Think about that. If you could just have that in your life, peace without measure. That's not a reality for me always. Peace without measure. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That's a big component. Because he trusteth in thee. 
I want to read there in Isaiah. I want to start at the first verse of that 26th chapter. It says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. I read across that. Salvation is going to to bring is to be a hedge about us. And not only that, it says bulwarks. I got interested in that word a little bit as I studied yesterday. And that's just a fortification of the walls. Salvation. Will God appoint for walls and bulwarks? Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. That is also a big component in peace. Keeping of truth. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. As we think about the walls that God has appointed for us and the bulwarks, you know what those are. And I just say those things bring peace. There are standards that God has set forth for his people. And we know them. All you got to do is get out your Bible and do some exploration and you will find them. We spent some time on vacation and I'm a little amazed sometimes at what man thinks they can get by with. And the Bible says to judge within yourself whether that would be for you to be able to do that. And then I read across this and I was like, That just feels good to know that God has a standard for each one of us that we could find within those gates and within the walls of God's direction we can find peace. Beautiful, beautiful thing. I thought I would read Psalms 84. Maybe that's a a good homework thing for each one of us to do when we think about peace. I want to think of peace as an acronym today and take each letter and I'll give those to you. Purpose. The purpose for peace. The experience and or expectations of peace. The actions of peace. Commitment to peace. And eternal value. And I think the brother touched upon that. That is something that really interests me. Eternity. We just came through this week of my wife's grandmother passing from this life to eternity. And I don't want it to be a bad experience. I'm always looking to, and just, just, and I think it's probably just a longing in my heart to to know what that time is going to be like. I might be a little bit anxious about it myself, but it sure don't speak when people are becoming anxious when we are thinking about meeting Jesus Christ. I think there is a, yeah, there's a, we're, we're made to live. I talked to one of these brothers this morning. We're just made to live. God created us in life. But we have come to a point And I don't know where you are, and it does not matter. I have found out what age you are. You can be called at any minute. 
And if we have not accepted Jesus Christ and his peace that he affords unto us, it could be a very trying time. I really like it. And I've yet to be told the story. My mother-in-law told me she was there through that whole experience. And, and, and as I anticipated last week that this might occur, I was, I was just anxious to hear, I guess I was a not, not a complete piece, what, what, what grandma was feeling. And so she called, my wife was out of the house, and I answered the phone, and I said, was it a peaceful experience? Oh, she said, it was really good. I'd like to tell you about it. Call me, and I don't know, I haven't heard it yet. But it just speaks into my heart. To know that we can pass as a believer from this life to eternity, and it be okay. In fact, we have no, I can't even, I'm so finite, I can't even, can't even comprehend it. Beautiful thing that God gives unto us. It's a promise, really. Peace. Peace I live with you, leave with you my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, let not your heart be troubled. So I think that's kind of the whole, whole message. Purpose. And I just, as I, as I thought about the purpose of peace, I think it's just to bring us to understand the realness and value of God's peace. That's God's purpose. To help us to understand and to comprehend what that looks like. We all have a, I think we have a huge desire for peace. I know I do. If it could be peace, and I'm talking about as I interact with all humanity, it just looks better. Controversy and strife is not good. And I don't know where the place for that is in a believer. I've yet to determine it. Maybe you can figure it out. I'm probably not much purpose of that. To understand the realness and value of God's peace. That is what our desire is. There is confusion all around us. I've witnessed that over the past week. It is confusing. And people say, you know what, I'm having fun. And I'm like, wow. Because I have this thing that just says, what about eternity in my life? That's real. You're having fun. I can see that. Or maybe it's enjoyable. I don't know. But what about eternity? There is confusion. And, and God has this peace, I think, that would just... just if we looked out over a beautiful scene, I don't know what speaks into your life. It just passes our complete ability to know what it really is. That's God's peace. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. And there's something in there. God calls us to those things. We can't just go through life just experiencing tranquility. It says 
that bringeth good tidings. We have a responsibility to the confusion around us. Our purpose really is to bring good tidings. You are his people and his children that publish peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Does your life say that? question. Does my life say that? That's what Isaiah says it should be. That's what we should be displaying. We should be bringing these good tidings of published peace, the tidings of published salvation, and over our whole demeanor, there should be a caption that says, my God is reigning. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Peace. That's what that would say. So it's very important for us to acknowledge the need of peace in our life. We need it. Very, very badly. Let's define purpose. I thought that was very interesting. I got out my Webster's again and because I like that book. I don't know. It's just probably old enough. Part of that adaptive learning thing that just speaks into my life. And there's a definition for purpose. And it gave five different points in that, that definition. And the first one was that which a person sets before himself as an object to be reached and accomplished. Peace. What if that was your purpose? was something that you set before you that you wanted to reach and to be accomplished in your life. Purpose. The purpose of peace. The second thing was, it talked about intention and design. You would have to look into your life and start to intentionally design a way to get that accomplished what you have set before you. The third thing is that it talked about was there was an end, effect, and consequences to having peace or not peace is the way I took it. It it just kind of ends very quickly. There's consequences to peace, good or bad it said, or not peace is where I think the bad is. Not having peace is not healthy. So that's an interesting thing. And there's going to be, the fourth thing is, there's going to be instances and examples. Kind of left it right, just instance and example. I just considered that peace. There will be instances and examples in a believer's life of peace. That's the purpose of it. We cannot go through life without having it. I wonder what that would look like if God's people were not at peace. And the fifth thing was, and it really caught my attention, of purpose, on purpose. Isn't that interesting? That's the purpose. It's of a purpose, on purpose, and it went to explain it like this, with previous design, with the mind directed toward that object, on purpose is more generally used, but the true faith, 
true phrase is of purpose. The purpose for peace. And my desire is, the true desire for peace in my life and the purpose of it, and I'm interested in how it is revealed and displayed in myself. I think that is pretty good homework for each one of us to figure out what is being revealed and what is being displayed in the peace that God affords to each one of his children. It's something to consider. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Peaceful. When God is reigning, it is peaceful. So it's very important for us to consider how it is revealed and how it is displayed in my life. Beautiful thing. That's all I have on that section. Experience and expectations. There is probably the biggest need for a person to have peace. That person has to be individually born of God. And we can just about end it right there. If you are not individually born of God, it could be a big deal. Let's go back, and that's why I read this first chapter of Peter. I won't work on the first section or towards the last. But there is a purpose for peace. There is the experience and an expectation of peace. It says... Not rendering, we'll start at the ninth verse and read a few, maybe down through the twelfth. There is some examples in the eighth verse that would that would lend itself to peace and our actions in that. We will get to that. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing, knowing that you are there unto two called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and let his lips that they speak no guile. Let him flee from evil, eschew evil, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that have no desire for peace, but do evil. That is real. Let's turn. I'm just going for experience and expectations. I just want to turn through the Bible here a little bit and read some passages of Scripture. And you can turn with me as we do this. And I just want to leave this speak to us and into our hearts as we turn through here a little bit and just let Scripture speak into our experience and our expectations of peace. The first one, Psalms 120. 
6 and 7, it says, My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. I am for peace. Let's turn to Matthew, the fifth chapter. We were there a little bit this morning. Maybe not exactly there, but it says the ninth verse of Matthew 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. That is an expectation in the word of God for each one of us. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Let's turn to Luke. Hopefully I got all these right. The first chapter. I don't think I have that one right. Let's go to Romans, the fifth chapter. Five one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A person has to be individually born of God. It's good to have Jesus Christ collectively in our midst, but I am telling you, my people, you have to be born of God. I cannot do that for you. Jesus Christ and His blood can and I want that to be just because you come to church every day and do all every week and do all the right things. God says, therefore being justified by faith, by our faith and our knowledge, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But it says, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Beautiful. To be in a carnal mind is no good at all. But to be in a spiritual mind with a heart set on spiritual things, it said is life and peace. And I think about those walls and those bulwarks, those strengthening of our walls and our desire for peace to be spiritually minded of the things of God is life and peace. Romans 12. Just want to get to the 18th verse there. If it be possible... I think this is an expectation and an experience. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That's a high, high, high order. As much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. 14.17 says... For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Verse 19 of that same chapter, 
Romans 14 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and the things wherewith one may edify another. There's many, many, many things. Galatians, let's turn to Galatians. And you can, I, I won't go through all these. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. And as I consider those things about the fruit of the Spirit, sometimes I get them complicated with the fruits of the Spirit, and I think I can take one of them and just have peace. But that's not the way the Bible talks about it. It says it's the fruit of the Spirit, and those things are so interconnected that with God and a spiritual man, you can't get them apart. I try, but it's not real. And it will never bring you peace if you try to take love and joy and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith away from the word peace. You can't just, well, I, I don't know if I can say that. But I don't think it's, you can hardly experience just one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit without being involved in a whole lot more than you thought you would be. That's good. That's very, very good. Okay, A, we want to go into move beyond experience. see where it was here. Move beyond experience and our expectations into the A part of it. And it's called actions. This is a big, big subject. This is where I started yesterday and I figured out I was in the middle of my message. So that's why I called my niece to find out what my problem was. She says you've got adaptive learning things that's apparent in all of your siblings. And so she said I work with my mother all the time on it. A little humorous, but it's true. We just work all over the place, so that's why I want you to pray for the Spirit to bring something into your life that you can use today. Because I don't, probably a lot of preachers might have that. I don't know. But we are to be in the Spirit, as the brother told us this morning in the message. We are to, we are going to have to experience that not only individually, but thoroughly throughout our life, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life to get anything out of any message. It don't matter what kind of problem the minister has. You cannot be just spoon-fed all your life. You're going to have to dig in. I'm challenged by that scripture in the Word of God that says that we should be doing and studying to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. That's a challenging thing with somebody like me. And I think that can be real in each one of your lives. Get a hold of it. Actions. I don't know, and I think you do know, this world is full of conflict, turmoil, and strife. It's everywhere. I struggled with a, a while back, and I don't, my wife didn't even know about it. Just I was just anxious. I was taking part in some news, and I still like it. 
But I mean, it is, it, it, it's just bad. And I like news that speaks into what I like, and, and I, I'm just, the whole news thing just kind of just disturbs me a little bit. Because it can be, I've, I've learned that it can be projected this way and projected that way, and, and, and it's projected into formats that, that people take, and this whole thing's going completely south. And then I get out and experience people and children of God that I had no idea were there, and I find peace in their lives. I was like, well, hmm, amazing. Don't take part in all the conflict and turmoil and strife. It's not good for your soul. It's not good for mine. It leads us into places of anxiety and stress and just, you about can't overcome it. It's depressing. And I think that's what depression somewhat is called. And then we take all this conflict and turmoil and strife and we start to portray it outward into the people that we care about and the people we love. And I just wonder what their experience is on the other side of me. Have you ever thought about that? What is somebody, I'm portraying myself to be a child of God and I wonder what the other people feel like on the backside of where I'm at. Is it peaceful back there? Is it peaceful around me? I heard a brother say once, if it's peaceful, it's of God. If it's not, it's not. And I'd have to say amen to that. So our life can be full of those very same things. And we deceive ourselves. And wow, there's some big issues that portray around us. The Bible tells me, it's, it, many times it goes through the Bible and says, these are God's people. It took the children of Israel and said, you are my people. And I'm interested in that. I think I'm standing in front of a whole crowd of God's people. And so then as, as I think about the individual, I have to accept the fact that I am God's person. And I want you to do that too. And the brother told us this morning that there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life that says that I am. Isn't that amazing? Great. If you are God's people and you are His person, Matthew 7, and you can read 15 through 20, but verse 20 says, Wherefore by their, their fruits ye shall know them. Wherefore, by their fruits and the things happening around me, I shall be known. Are they actions of peace? Is that what other people are getting out of it? When we consider who we are, and what we produce in our actions and treatments of others, it's a true manifestation of who I am. I like the word manifestation. If you've got a whole bunch of, if a semi pulled up out here and, 
and, and you just seen that big truck out there and you would wonder what was in it, he could pull out a paper and say, this is what's on this load. It's a manifestation of what's inside. So, as men and women of God, if we pull out the Bible and start looking through here about righteous people and godly people and people that are seeking after holiness, and we start to read about what that looks like, by their fruits you shall be known, we would pull this thing out and we would say, sure enough, that's who I am. Wouldn't that be good? Very, very good. We want our life and living to really say who we are. Peaceful that way. Beautiful that way. But there's a backside to that again. We need to comprehend what we really are producing. And and what what my share in that is and what my responsibility in that is, if it's not peaceful, where do I stand in those things? I spoke to a brother once and it still speaks into my life. I won't give you his name. It don't matter. He's gone now. But he looked back over his life and said, because of who I am and what I believe, guess what? All these problems, and he had many trials in his life. He's like, I have produced all these things. And have created multiple, multiple problems. We as God's people who think we are people can really create so many issues. And then behind us we leave this path of destruction that's not peaceful at all. And there's many, many victims back there. That is not what children of God are supposed to be doing. And he finally came to the fact, he said, you know what? And he was very humble. And we was the only ones, I was the only ones in the, one in the parking lot with him, my wife and I and a couple of our children. He said, I am totally responsible for that. And I want us to acknowledge that as we go through life and our actions, that I am totally responsible for what I do. I have a desire for peace. I want to be a living example of peace. And I think you do too. Because when I am, others will grow and thrive in that environment also. But one thing that can't be done to gain peace is to compromise truth. We have to acknowledge that we either are making peace or we are moving away from things that are not right and we want peace. And so I would take just me if I was interacting with myself and I was not creating peace for myself, saying it's, I'm two different people here, that I would want to move away from me. If this man here is not creating peace for this man, this man over here ought to be getting away from that thing. Because he has a need of God's peace in his life too. And so that's why I think as people, they're struggling life. I'll just be real with it. But there's a reason people are either close to us or are not. And I think we need to examine those reasons and get real with ourselves of what is peace.
we as God's people I don't think can create victims. People that are suffering problems and that don't have peace in their life because of my actions. I wonder what that looks like. I think the Bible tells us a scripture comes to mind there in Matthew 18. It said it would be better. It would be better if a millstone were put around the neck and you'd be drowned in the depth of the sea than to rob somebody else's salvation and peace. God's people, I say I am a person of God. I am living in a in the people of God. I am that person. Examine what we do in our actions and what we are creating. We need to create peace. God's peace. Not compromised at all by being untruthful. We don't just make peace and, and kind of just shove things away and out and whatever. Make peace. God's peace. Commitment. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in the 12th verse of the first, the second Timothy 1.12. It says, and I, and I just thought of the word commitment. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Commitment. I want to turn there, I guess, for just a minute. Because commitment... Again, Second Timothy, the first chapter, take something. I always think I want to, I guess I might be just a little bit lazy. I just want to cruise through life and this thing be peaceful. I would like not to have to work so hard. But since the fall in the garden, I know that that's not possible. So commitment to the peace of God in our lives will take some action and activity. It's not bad. The Apostle Paul told Timothy here in the first chapter of 2 Timothy, the 6th and 7th verse, it says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound not mind. And I like the first part of the eighth verse. It says, Be not therefore, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And I don't think we should be ashamed of the testimony of peace and that activity in our life. It ought to be real for each one of us. Have you ever thought about power, love, and a sound mind? I think peace creates all those things. I just wrote it down in my own words. It's strength. There's strength in peace. There's compassion in peace. 
and there's clear thinking. Not discerned by my common sense. I love to, I tell people I'd like to sell you some common sense, but it's on my level. Clear thinking. God's way. Brings peace. I went through some scripture here, and there's, it's, it's interesting, because there's an opposite thing of peace, and I think we talked about that turmoil and strife and all those things. And when we become committed, we will have to acknowledge that there are things like the fruit of the Spirit that all those things go together. Peace, I went through the Bible and found a lot of them. That they're just so interconnected that you can't get away from them. Peace brings a lot more action and activity and commitment than we think it does. Psalms 85.10 says, and there are three words in here that go with peace. Peace is the over, overshadowing, over, overriding thing that we're talking about today. But Psalms 85.10 says, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And as I thought about that, about peace in our lives and my commitment that I am going to have to acknowledge that mercy and truth and righteousness are three things that go together with peace. We can't get away from them. It's all in one verse of Scripture. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. It says those things are so tightly interconnected that you can't get away from one, each other. That's what peace, God's peace brings. There is, it's so beautiful. If you looked out at an ocean and we got to view that, and actually I put my face down and seen what was underneath, and there are so many things working together to keep that ocean looking like it is. A beautiful color, just the deepest blue. I thought I couldn't dump laundry soap in and make it that blue at all. But there are rocks along the edge that are filtering the water. There are, I mean, multiple, and I can't swim, so snorkeling was kind of a challenge. But it is amazing what's under there. These things are so interconnected to make one thing. That whole ocean, as I looked across it, just spoke peace. But there are so many things going on in that thing. My mind can't even comprehend it. Multiple fish, coral of all kinds of shapes, sizes, and colors, animals. I thought I seen a spider down there and told somebody about it. The man said, no, he said, that's a needle crab. Just amazing. But peace is just like that, the Bible says. There are many, many, many things that make it work. And so we got to acknowledge that. Proverbs 3, 2. And I would like to go to the first verse, and I won't just because of times. It says, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Read the first verse. It 
talks about the boundaries of God, His laws and His commandments. It says, because of those things, length of days and long life and peace, those things all go together as we follow after God. And I don't know what that looks like for each one of us. If we read Romans 1, 7, it says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace. It says that many times in the Bible. Grace is interconnected with peace. We know that because of what we experienced of God's grace in our life. It brought peace into our hearts. It did mine. As I accepted Jesus Christ and His way into my life, it brought peace. His grace brought peace. And so as we go through life, we are going to have to also extend that thing for others to experience. And it's not calamity behind me. We're going to have to have grace for others. It goes with peace. And that is from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We read this, Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Beautiful thing. To be God-centered, God-desiring. Our mind has a lot to do with who we are. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans fifteen thirteen says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy, and peace. I wonder sometimes, I, I, I can think of myself, lots of times people comment on your demeanor and your expression and what that looks like and what you're portraying out. And sometimes mine isn't very joyful. It's more stoic and sober. And I'm really not expressing the peace of God like I would like to, what, what I'm really feeling. It says... The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. I think with the peace that God gives us in our hearts, we ought to intentionally try to show the joy. It's not very fun when people know you're not doing good over just some very, very little thing that happened today or yesterday. It says the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Those two things are interconnected. Just like the things underneath the surface of that water that looks very, very peaceful. There is many things going on there that make that happen. And joy is one of those. Because as that, that passage of Scripture says, goes on, it says that you will abound in hope and the power of the Holy Ghost. Brother Gary talked about that this morning in opening. The power of the Holy Ghost indwelling a believer and what that's going to do. Those things are interacting and combining and bringing peace into our hearts. And I don't know, I didn't know how to write it. Is it a requirement? Is what we are doing today in believing in our faith, do we feel that it's a requirement? 
That's a question only you can answer. Is the peace in your heart? Because I think if we feel it's a requirement, God says he has these standards that he wants us to, to, to dwell in. We don't do very good. Men don't do very good when we're required to do something. When my wife says, you do this or else, it don't go very good. How do we feel about that? Is it real peace? Am I really committed to it? And have you ever wanted more? I think when we experience peace, I want a little more of that. I don't know if you do or not. A couple passages of Scripture I found. 1 Peter 1-2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. That's what I want. A multiplication of peace. Jude 1-2 says, Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. If we're experiencing peace, I think just by natural growth processing, we will experience a multiplication of that. And you will be honored in your life by that experience. That's what God wants for us. Romans 2.10, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. That's a promise from God. Glory and honor and peace. That's God's promise to his people. That's something we can't acquire on our own. Glory and honor and peace. It says to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. What a promise. As we finish up on actions, or I guess on commitment, our commitment to that, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Be committed to that very thing. To the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. I want that kind of commitment in my life that the peace of God would rule in my heart. And I have to let it happen. It's not a requirement if I want peace. It's God ruling. And it's beautiful. The last thing we want to talk about is eternal value, the last part of peace. Eternal value. We are a physical people. I don't even know if I can comprehend God's peace. But as a physical people, we are preparing for eternal life. That's also a little hard to comprehend. Because physical people find it hard to comprehend God's eternal promise and destiny. We have never, ever, ever been this close to the return of Jesus Christ, ever. 
as Jesus was called into heaven, he says, Behold, I come quickly in my return. And we are still waiting a couple thousand years later in God's time. You and I have never been this close to the eternal return of Jesus Christ. And we need to acknowledge that and for that to be real. You are his children. And God says, blessed are the peacemakers. Again, for they shall be called the children of God. We are his children. And he calls us to be that. Has it ever entered your mind, and I alluded to this probably in opening, and have you ever considered what your last breath is going to be like? I have. I came pretty close to it one day. I was pretty young. And I think that's probably what makes me think about it. What is it going to look like? Water's really not my thing. Beautiful things in there. But it came very close, and that's probably why I, I spent most of the week trying to snorkel. Finally got it a couple days in the life jacket later, a couple days towards the end of the life jacket later. But I am telling you, have you ever considered your last breath? Are you at peace with where you are if that would happen at any minute? Something to consider. I'm a little scared as I look back across that instance because I was not at peace. And I don't know as I think about, about God's peace and mercy and forgiveness and all those things that have been afforded to me since that occasion it's just, just about breathtaking. God has been ever so merciful to me. But have you ever considered your last breath? Have you ever considered what it's going to be like? That's why I was so interested when I asked my mother-in-law, was it peaceful? Oh, she said, I can't wait to tell you about it. And I know as a believer in Jesus Christ, no matter how anxious we get, as we start to get into the presence of Jesus Christ, it's going to calm down and it's going to start to be beautiful. And it will be eternal. That's the most amazing thing I can think of is when I think about peace is the eternal end of what that looks like. Now, I know as I hear some of these stories, and so that's why I ask that question. I know the devil is out there, and in my notes I never capitalize him because he is just a lesser power. And I don't know if it aggravates him or not. But I will never capitalize a he or his name. I don't ever want to. He is of lesser power. But he will afflict the outward man and try to steal your peace away from you. And I think that will go on and on and on, and it can get even into your last days. It says he condemns the brother night and day before God. I believe that's real. He is trying to rob believers and people of peace. 
and he will ever do that. That's why I become so interested, and I wonder what I'm going to be like. Because I know I am a mortal man, and someday, if Jesus does not return, I am going to take my last breath. And I so want that to be so peaceful, and I think it will be. And I think that can be accomplished for each one of you in your life. The devil can afflict and condemn the outward flesh of a man, but he cannot condemn and afflict the heart. I just want that to sink in a little bit because the Bible says... And that's what I, that I, that I, it's so beautiful as I considered the time of grandma passing away, this scripture, and it's so familiar. And I was like, he might be afflicting the flesh because she became a little anxious, I don't know, several days before. She said, this might be the day I see Jesus. In kind of an anxious tone, it felt like to me, I don't know, I wasn't there to experience it. And I thought about that time exchange that happens in a man's life. And, and I know that he's out there afflicting the flesh. And I know I'm going to get there someday. But my Bible says in Psalms 23, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort. I want that to be a real heart thing. Thou are with me. Don't let the adversary and the devil and that power that is subservient to God afflict us so much that we become so anxious that we can't be peaceful. Because God has a promise for his people. It says, I have not seen, ear have not heard what God has in store for those that love him. His promises that God has. It says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Believe it. That is a promise that God has for his people. He wants us to take our time as we exchange it and have peace. And that happened again. And I love it. I'm not saying that it's not going, there's not going to be conflict as we come to that time. The devil wants us to be in conflict. He sits there and he, he'll condemn this man till you can't take it anymore. But rest in the assurance of God that says... Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. John 16, 33, and we'll soon end here, brethren. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We are to be overcomers.
that peace has to prevail. I want us, each one of us, to rest in the assurance that you are his, you are his son or his daughter. Capital letters, his. Never accept condemnation from the devil. You are called to be children of God. And he says, my children I care for. If you look at Jesus and all those stories in the Bible, he says, suffer not the little children to come unto me. That is who we are. He has a desire for us to be sons and daughters and not to accept condemnation. Let your heart speak, not the devil. Romans 15, 13, and we'll just end with this verse. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. God bless you.